I'm Allie Burks, the worship leader for the local church, and you're listening to the Sunday Sermon Podcast, featuring sermons from our Sunday liturgy. The local church is a bold and inclusive new faith community in Chatham County, North Carolina, committed to being with and for one another, our community, and the world. We gather for the work of worship every Sunday morning at 930 at House of Hops in Pittsburgh, North Carolina. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you have a place at the local church, and we'd love to see you. Well, good morning, friends. Welcome to the local church. My name is Brent. I'm the pastor here, and it is great to have you with us this morning, to see you in worship. One of the things we say every week is that just by showing up, you're a part of what God is doing here. And we mean that, and we give God thanks for each and every one of you. Wherever you are, wherever you find yourself in your spiritual journey, you have a place here at the local church, and we give God thanks for you. You are more than welcome. You belong. So thanks be to God. One of the things um, that we hope happens here every week is that um, through the songs, through the scripture, through the preaching, through the prayers, through the sacrament of Holy Communion that we'll receive later, um, that you are being formed and transformed in this time in, in ways that are maybe subversive, ways you can't really feel in the moment, but that um, over time, these things change you. This is work that we're doing together. Um, and so um, what we hope is that, that this time together every week will equip and empower you by God's grace to go into this world and put more love, to go into this world and be the hands and feet of Jesus. Go into this world and love where you are. That's why it's on our t-shirts. If you don't have one, grab one before you leave this morning. But that's our hope. This Sunday and every week that we gather is that uh, this changes you little by little by little along the way. So would you pray with me? Gracious and loving God in whom we live and move and have our being, you delight in all that you have made. You breathe joy over each one of us and all of creation. And we pray, O oh God, that in this time we might breathe back joy, that we might exhale your love into this world. Be with us now, O God, open our eyes and our ears and our hearts to receive with joy the word that you have for us today. Let it be with us according to your word. In Christ's name, amen. Last weekend, we put our Christmas lights up. We um, did this year, same thing we did last year. Lights and garland on the front porch and candles in each of the windows. But this year, we added something new to our display. And that's because last year, uh, after Christmas was over and the New Year's celebrations had died down, all the champagne had been popped, I found, deeply discounted, one of those Disney spinning projection lights that you can... <laughs> display on the side of your house, don't judge me, the kind with six different designs that you can change out. Maybe you want a Mickey head with antlers coming out of it that says joy, right? Maybe you want the words jingle bell fun adorning your festive facade. Maybe you want presents and snowflakes dancing like sugar plums across the front of your home, encouraging neighbors and passersby to, quote, share the cheer. You can have it all with this display. It may not, may not be the classiest of Christmas decor, <laughs> but 
but this Mickey and Friends Whirl Emotion Projection Reflector LED that normally sells for $40 was five. <laughs> and I couldn't resist. I had to have it. So, so last Friday, we got it set up during the day, and Emma, our four-year-old, she helped, and uh, she grew increasingly frustrated, though, that when we turned it on, plugged everything in, she couldn't see it. It was too light outside. No amount of her tinkering with it would fix it, and I told her to just be patient, which always works so well on four-year-olds. <laughs> but that night, after sunset on the bridge, we went and had dinner with some friends, and night had fallen by the time we, were, uh, we got home. And as we turned into the neighborhood and drove up our hill uh, to the house at the end of the road, our house, Emma caught her first glimpse of the Mickey head with reindeer and antlers dancing across our garage. And as we pulled in, she couldn't contain herself as she shouted from the back seat, that is awesome! It's <laughs> my proudest moments as a dad. <laughs> the excitement and the wonder of these different colored lights dancing on the place that she calls home filled her with such unbridled delight that she had to let it out. She couldn't contain it. It was pure, unadulterated joy. That night, before she would go to bed, we had to take her outside again and again and again in the cold because she just wanted to keep seeing it. She wanted to see it again and again and again. And, and that's what we're talking about this morning on this, our third Sunday of Advent. Joy, joy. We've been journeying through this season of waiting and preparing for a few weeks now, for centuries, followers of Jesus have intentionally set aside the weeks before Christmas to prepare our hearts for the coming of Jesus, love made local, and to look ahead to the arrival of God's promised day when swords become plowshares and spears become pruning hooks and violence ceases and peace is brought to bear as the wolf and the lamb lie together and justice reigns in a kingdom of peace once and for all and all things are made new. This is our hope. Advent is a time of introspection, of reflection, of slowing down, of pause, as we take a look at the world outside and the world within and discover that perhaps we're a long way from where we've been, yes, but still a long way from where God is calling us to be. If we give Advent its due, we can't help but become aware of the reality that we are a people in need of saving, that ours is a world in need of a Savior. This reality comes to us with striking clarity. We've been working through a sermon series over these few weeks that help give shape to our Advent journey. It's called What Can't Wait. What Can't Wait. And uh, the idea is this, even as we wait, this waiting is not meant to be passive. It's not meant to be idle. Our waiting should be active, should be participatory and intentional. Our waiting requires movement and action. And there are things, even in our waiting, that God cannot wait for, things we can't wait for. Things our neighbors, our neighborhoods, our communities, and the world can't wait for. Two weeks ago on the first Sunday of Advent, we talked about hope and how hope can't wait. How we're called to embody hope, to live into it, pointing to God's future when all is right. Planting seeds along the way and trusting that God will bring them, bring that fruit 
to harvest. That was week one. Week two was last Sunday. We talked about peace and how peace can't wait. About repentance and turning toward light and love, motivated not by guilt and shame, but compelled by the love and grace of Jesus that welcomes us at every turn with outstretched arms. And we named that if there is to be peace and wholeness and shalom for us and for the world, then repentance and honesty and confession are required. Peace can't wait. This week is joy. Joy can't wait. Our reading from the Gospel of Luke this morning, which is Luke's narrative retelling of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, is traditionally called Mary's Magnificat. Mary's Magnificat. It's derived from the Latin uh, text of the first line that we heard, my soul magnifies the Lord, the Magnificat. Sometimes it's also called the Song of Mary, or Mary's Song. And the song that Mary sings comes after Mary, an unwed teenage virgin from the slum of Nazareth, is visited by the angel Gabriel, a messenger of God, who brings Mary the news that she will conceive and give birth to a son. And by the way, this son will be the Son of God, and he is to be named Jesus. And he will come to reign, and his kingdom will have no end, the angel says. And this song that Mary sings comes after she's made the 70-mile trek to see her relative, Elizabeth, with whom she'll stay for three months. Elizabeth is also expecting, six months along, and when Mary arrives, the child that's in Elizabeth's womb leaps, and she offers a blessing then over Mary and the child that she's carrying. There's a declaration in this blessing. Why has this happened to me, Elizabeth asks. Why has this happened to me? that the mother of my Lord comes to me. It may not seem like it in that simple phrase. Why has this happened to me, that the mother of my Lord would come to me? It may not seem like it, but from Elizabeth, this is a political statement. Because the only one in the ancient Roman world who's able to be called Lord is Caesar, the emperor. And so for Elizabeth to call Mary the mother of her Lord... Well, that's a subversive political statement about who's Lord and who's not, about where power lies and where it doesn't. The song that Mary sings then is a song of rejoicing. It's a song of joy, a song that bursts out of her somewhere from deep within. She can't contain it. Mary sings. She sings of her soul, magnifying the Lord, exalting, making large her Lord. Her spirit rejoicing in God, her Savior. She sings about what this God has done for her, seen her, seen her in her poverty, seen her in her youth, in her weakness, and said, this one, this is the one who will bear the Savior of the world. She sings of God's mercy and strength. She takes it and expands it, declaring that this God has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts, turned the world on end, leveled the playing field. This God has brought down the powerful and lifted up the lowly, given the hungry something to eat, and sent the rich away with nothing, fulfilled the promises made long ago, all through the one that she carries in her womb. It's a song of praise, a song of joy. Her song couldn't wait. Her song of joy couldn't wait. And now, I got to be honest with you. I've struggled with this theme, with this idea. I've struggled 
with joy this week. It feels out of place in Advent because joy, really? Now? I can't help but scoff a little bit. Because if Advent brings into focus the way things are, when you take a look at the world outside, you see a humanitarian crisis in Hong Kong and other places around the world, a warming planet threatening our future, families torn apart at the border, North Korea testing nuclear weapons, hate-fueled rhetoric and hyper-partisanship on Capitol Hill that leaves us weary and worn and wondering if it'll ever end. And closer to home, here in our Chatham County community, we're experiencing lingering racism and bigotry in our streets, a mental health crisis among youth and teenagers, with one in nine high school students in Chatham County reporting that they have tried to take their own lives, one in five children locally who doesn't have enough to eat, opioid addiction at an all-time high, and loneliness is now considered an epidemic. There are still places in our world and in our community, including churches, and especially churches where our LGBTQ sisters and brothers aren't welcome. Then you take a look at the world within, and maybe there's grief. Maybe you've experienced a loss this year that you can't not think about in this season. Maybe 2019 was going to be the year that everything was different, but here you are two weeks before 2020, and you're still waiting for that change. Maybe... You've experienced rejection. Maybe you've experienced heartache. Maybe there's a wound that's so deep, it's blinding, and you can't see anything else. So maybe for you, it's anything but the most wonderful time of the year. So joy then. Really? I know. That's you. I'm with you. I'm with you. I feel it too. And so does Mary. We don't know with certainty why Mary, upon discovering she's pregnant, flees to the Judean hill country to spend a few months with her relative, Elizabeth. But, but we can wonder. Here's Mary, a poor, unwed teenager, pregnant with a child who's not her fiancé's. She's now the face of scandal in Nazareth. Her fiancé, Joseph, wants to get rid of her before they're even married because of it. That would be the honorable thing to do according to the law. Her world, as she knew it, is completely upended, turned upside down, planned one way, and then disrupted and takes a turn, now heading in a completely different direction. Anybody know anything about this? And this is all before all before the rest of the story. The story plays out all before she has to flee her home for safety. Shortly after this child's birth, before this child will grow up and disrupt and stand up for the oppressed and welcome the stranger and challenge authority and proclaim release to all who are bound. And because of this, because of this, this is all before this child will be mocked and humiliated and executed as she looks on. All before Mary watches this child or her child suffer and die. So joy then. And yet, Mary sings. Mary sings. And maybe, maybe just maybe, this is how we know what joy is. This is how we know that this joy is a gift of God because who in their right mind would sing? Who in their right mind, knowing this, could sing? 
The shame and vulnerability researcher and best-selling author Brene Brown, who I love, has said that joy is the most terrifying, most difficult emotion that we feel as humans. The most terrifying, most difficult emotion that we feel as human beings. And that's because to experience joy is to open ourselves. To experience joy is to open ourselves up to the possibility of heartache, the possibility of losing it all. She says that we're constantly waiting for the other shoe to drop, that our defenses are up, that we uh, are seeking to avoid defeat and avoid loss, protect against it. And that's why so often we shield ourselves from experiencing joy. In so many instances, we close ourselves off to the possibility of delight. But perhaps in Mary's song, even amidst the feelings of fear and shame and guilt and disorientation, perhaps what we hear in that song of joy is an openness to the work of God. Because that's where joy is found. In opening. In risking it all. In joy in the most terrifying of human emotions, Mary opens herself to the work of God that begins in the cells of an embryo. Love made manifest in her womb. Mary can perhaps sense that the road ahead will not be easy, but she can also feel deep within that the world is about to turn. That in this child with her who is God with us, no grief, no loss, no disappointment, no guilt, no burden, no fear, no death has the final say. And as she opens herself to that possibility and clings to that promise, she can't help then but sing for joy. She could lose it all. Yes, and she does. But if God can choose this poor, unwed teenager to be the bearer of the light of the world, Jesus, God with us, Emmanuel, what else could God do? Couldn't God bring down the powerful and lift up the lowly? Couldn't God fill the bellies of all who go without? Couldn't God stand on the side of the oppressed and bring restoration and justice and healing and wholeness for all? Couldn't God? So Mary sings. She can't not. She can't contain it. As she sings, she opens herself up to the work of God. She opens herself to the promise of God because in that opening, that's where joy is found. As Christmas draws closer, this is our work. This is why week three is here in Advent, because we're getting closer and closer and closer. And this opening, whether we realize it or not, is happening. This is our work. We are invited to join Mary's song of joy, opening ourselves to the work of God in us and in the world, clinging to God's promise and giving ourselves the freedom to boldly step into whatever God has in store. There's a writer and a poet and a musician named Morgan Harper Nichols. She writes this. Cling to joy, audacious, unbridled joy that looks for light in everything, even while you're waiting. Let it be.
Amen. Hey, it's Allie again. If you love what you hear, share this episode or send it to somebody who could use some good news this week. We'd also love for you to leave us a rating and reviews on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. For more information about The Local Church, visit thelocalchurchpbo.org. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at LocalChurchPBO. Until next time, love where you are. Thank you.